The Fake Show is brought to you by Threads of Envy, the law firm of Hutchison & Stefan, the Craft House Brewery, the Tone Factory Recording Studio, Moonshot.com t-shirt designs, and by Mr. Antenna. Now your host, Jim Tofty. This, of course, is Oscars weekend, and I wanted to get in touch with my go-to people for the latest. Later, I'll talk to globally popular chef Wolfgang Puck, who once again is feeding the actors at the post show. But first, I've got the great film critic Gray Drake, who rose to fame on Rotten Tomatoes and Movie Phone. Let's talk to Gray in New York City about who might win awards this year. Gray, hello. Jim, hi. Gray, always nice talking to you. How have you been? Really well. Good to talk to you again. This is my favorite tradition. Welcome back to the show. And right away, I have to ask, has your movie viewing experience changed in just the last few months with things opening up again? Definitely. Uh, it's been nice to go back to the theater and not have a thinking sense of dread the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, and, and it, it's like this This is how movies are meant to be seen. You know, I, I love watching movies streaming in my jammies on the couch. Yeah. But I, I just love being in that theater, man. That's like what it's all about. Nothing like a live audience, right? I mean, not to mention the sound systems and everything else. Absolutely. I mean, there's a movie that's coming out this weekend called The Lost City. Yeah. And has Sandra Bullock, Channing Tatum, Daniel Radcliffe. And I went to the theater to see a screening and it absolutely changed my viewing experience because ultimately the movie itself is just fun, kind of inconsequential. It's like a whatever movie. Uh, but had I seen it by myself on the couch while I'm flipping around on my phone, I would have had a very different response. And as it was, I really enjoyed it. I had a blast. Yeah, I, and I love the trailer, the Brad Pitt line. She says to him, how are you so good looking? My dad was a weatherman. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a cute movie, and it really benefits from the energy of the audience. Right, right. Well, in your opinion, was this an up or down year in terms of great films? I'm not a huge fan of most of these movies this year. Yeah. Like, I, I have to be real with you. I really don't find these movies to be that moving. Like, I can appreciate them on a technical level. They're beautifully filmed, or they have great editing, or great performances. But ultimately, when you ask me what my favorites were, I kind of have to, like, take a deep breath. You know, and so it's it, this is not my favorite year for film. I have only seen two or three um, King Richard and Don't Look Up. I like them both fine, but I understand yeah, those, what you're saying. Those are good ones to see. Those are like some of the most watchable ones. Um, there's also, for musical lovers, uh, West Side Story uh -huh. was fun. Yeah. Super glad that they fixed some of the terrible, uh, you know, representation in the, the in the first one because it's like 1960s, you know. Yeah. And <laughs> but th that's on Disney Plus now streaming, and there's also on Apple TV Plus for all of my people subscribing to that service, which you should because of Ted Lasso, by the oh, way, for sure. Oh God, so good. So on that service is Coda. Another so, one that I haven't seen yet, but yeah, I will definitely do that. So is the power of the dog on sort of a nomad land type trajectory 
at this point? I mean, is there any stopping it in terms of being best picture? There is, actually, shockingly. Um, there is a chance that Power of the Dog is not going to win Best Picture this year. Just like our world, like it, it seems as though the winners and predicting the Oscars are just completely shook up from what it's been before. The Power of the Dog was winning everything, just barreling towards the Oscars, but then all of a sudden, huge awards were given out to CODA, and that throws everything off. I, those two are going to be duking it out, for sure, for Best Picture. That, it actually makes it kind of fun for me, because I could make arguments for both films winning, and I love that. By the way, what is it about Licorice Pizza that I've talked to people who either love it or they hate it? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a weird film. It it's a little bit like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood if there were if just minus the Tarantino-ness of it all. So <laughs> Yeah, the death. Yeah, yeah, it's like a it's, it almost feels more like a poem almost, which I think a lot of people find annoying, especially if they're not fans of Paul Thomas Anderson. Um yeah. it's about kids in the San Fernando Valley here in California in the 1970s. Right. And did you see that one yet? No, I haven't. That's what I'm saying, that I've heard both sides of, uh, you know, the argument, but I haven't seen it yet. Sort of an experience where I came away with a vision of the San Fernando Valley, like, it's a wild place where movie stars are riding motorcycles like outside of restaurants during the dinner hour and 16-year-old children are running waterbed stores. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a, it's just weird. It's a weird depiction of Southern California, and it, but it definitely doesn't have like a huge sweeping story with a beginning, middle, and end. I think a lot of people find irritating. Yeah, I have a feeling that I'm going to like it. So Jessica Chastain, the Eyes of Tammy Faye, she really deserves a Best Actress nod, doesn't she? Because I don't think she's had one yet. I, I mean, I'm not sure that she's been nominated in the actress category, because I think she won for the help as supporting, is my right. vague memory. But she was fantastic. Like she, the, Her performance as Tammy Faye Baker was amazing and way it way transcended great hair and makeup which she also had yeah so she was fantastic but i would love to see Kristen stewart win jim nice yeah she's almost like an underdog isn't she she's not as well thought of as the jessica chastains or nicole kidman's of the world exactly like she I, i love that she was nominated i love that she has this under her belt because she's so much more than just the Twilight actress. Her movies are really interesting. She's a, you know, something happens to the to actors when they score a huge, uh, you know, series of movies. They don't need money, so they do whatever they want. And so actors like Daniel Radcliffe from Harry Potter, or Kristen Stewart, or Robert Pattinson from Twilight, these kind of actors, like usually their filmography ends up being kind of awesome. And Kristen Stewart is way more awesome than most people give her credit for. That's really interesting. You know, when you see her on a talk show, or you have over the past few years, she's a little shy, you know, and she kind of gives off that vibe like, I'm almost not worthy. But deep down, I mean, I read about her role in Spencer, and she really went for it, didn't she? Totally. 
she always does. And I, I mean, she's as a as a person that has interviewed her for her films. Yeah, she's always been nothing but lovely, and she's a she's a really surprisingly nice person, and I think so talented. So I'm psyched that she was nominated. It's going to be a long shot for her to win, but my fingers are crossed. Should be an interesting Oscars. Where can people find out more about your thoughts? Because you're the best. Uh, where do they go to find out more, Gray? Well, find me all over social, and it's my name with a weird spelling, G-R-A-E-D-R-A-K-E. Fantastic. Nice talking to you. We'll have to do it more often. You're, you're the best. Oh, I love it, Jim. Great to talk to you. Happy Oscars. Thank you. You as well. Bye-bye. And when you think of America's great present-day chefs and restaurateurs, there are just a handful that come to mind. And right at the top of that list is my friend Wolfgang Puck, best known for his Spago restaurant. He's also written a number of cookbooks, and he's the official caterer once again for the Oscars. I've got Wolfgang Puck on the line right now in Beverly Hills. All right. Wolfgang, welcome back. Delighted to talk to you. We love you here in Las Vegas. I know, and I love Las Vegas, you know, I love to go there. We have some very successful restaurants. My two main partners, and uh, Tom and David are there, and our financial guy is there. So, and I have some wonderful chefs like Matt Hurley and so forth in our restaurants there. So I'm very excited to, to go to Vegas. It's a great city, and so different than what people really think. They think it's all about gambling. No, it's a great community. Just looking at this thing, what we did with Larry Ubo for Keep Memory Alive, you know, build this whole thing downtown. That's a great it's, point. And for those of us who live here and have for many years, it's we know that it's become kind of a culinary capital of the world. I mean, yeah. there are a lot of restaurants to choose from now. Ah, amazing. You know, I remember when we started in 92 or so, Spago opened at the Forum, and there were no places really to go, you know, except the, the buffets and maybe a steakhouse of the hotel. Now you have so many chefs, so many great restaurants all over. You don't have to go anywhere. You can eat in a great restaurant every day if you stay a week or two weeks, you know. You cannot do that in any other city. So Las Vegas has become a big restaurant city. Your the business you're in was hit hard by the pandemic. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Many many restaurants didn't survive. There are still rising prices and the lingering effects of the virus and and a labor shortage. How are you guys going to deal with this in the next few well, years? Well, yeah, it's it's still very difficult because of the prices. Everything has gotten more expensive. Look at the gasoline alone. You know, in Beverly Hills here. The gasoline is over $7 a gallon. I really feel bad for the drivers and everybody, you know, or if you uh, distribute food and so forth, you know, all of a sudden it's double the price for delivery. So the people who work, a lot of them didn't come back, so people are working overtime. So, you know, if you make $25 and then all of a sudden you make $40, so it's a big change. So the prices have risen, like in certain things, 30%. We try to engineer the menu so that way it's not too expensive. But, you know, the time will come when a really good steak will cost $100 yeah. if that continue like that. I loved your the documentary titled Wolfgang on Disney+, and everyone should watch to be inspired. Yeah. It must have been like, like therapy for you to have watched it and produced it. Yeah. 
I think it's really uh, a good thing for me because I don't have to write a book, which uh, my kids won't even read probably. So this is easier. <laughs> and now and up, they basically get to know a little bit how it happened. You know, a lot of people know me now. We have five restaurants in Las Vegas, you know, Spargo. Cut Lupo and the bar and grill in uh, the MGM and out in Summerland and so forth. So people know me like this, but they didn't know how it happened. They probably thought, oh, Wolfgang got money from his parents and opened a restaurant. Yeah. Uh, for the 28th year, you are serving up your amazing food at the Post Oscars Governor's Paul. And now yeah. you've, you've enlisted a new co-star with Bronx-based culinary collective Ghetto Gastro. What are those guys bringing to the table? I thought it would be great to find somebody, you know, where, like an African-American uh, uh, group who could do the cooking and also to inspire young uh, African-American kids to get into the cooking profession. And they can do it really, you know, make good money and be respected and do a good job and do something what they like because there are very few really chefs from that part, you know, right. uh, African-Americans who really are well-known, you know. I remember in the old time, I knew Edna Lewis really well, but, uh, you know, we had one uh, chef, Francois Quacodongo, who was amazing, but they're still really just a small minority, you know. And uh, they have some in New Orleans, obviously, also, but not that many. So I really would like to figure it out, how can we get this often underserved community into our business in the upscale gastronomy, not just working at, uh, you know, McDonald's or, or fried chicken places. The Oscars are this Sunday. It's crunch time. How long does it take you yeah. to prepare for this event, you and your team? Well, we have a lot of people working. So uh, Eric Klein, who is the chef, and Gary, our pastry chef, they organize the kitchen. And then I have a few people in the dining room who organize the dining room. We have about 100 chefs working. So it's really the cooking is done basically Saturday and Sunday morning because if we cook everything in advance, we have to reheat it and it doesn't taste the same. So I'm sure like we smoked the salmon already for our smoked salmon Oscars. That's done already. I'm sure uh, soon we're going to cook the lobsters like it's Wednesday today and uh Maybe on Friday we cook the lobster for the lobster cacio pepe, and we can do the chicken pot pie on Friday and then assemble that on Saturday. So on Sunday we just have to cook them. But our Miyazaki beef or our pizzas or all these dishes, we or the fried chicken, what the ghetto gastro is doing, the fried chicken with waffles, we do that at the last moment. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'm, my mouth is watering. Wolfgang, I have to ask, are celebrities just like the rest of us and they just eat like pigs? <laughs> <laughs> I think just like the rest of us. You know, some really enjoy food and some don't care. What do you do with the leftovers, assuming you have some? Oh, okay, so all the leftover food, we assemble it and they pick it up for Project Angel Food. So nobody gets hungry there too. So one night... A lot of homeless people can go to the soup kitchen and get the food what the movie stars eat. So there's no leftover. Everything will be sent for people who have nothing, really. I'm assuming your smoked salmon pizza is still one of the most popular dishes that you make. Oh, for sure. The smoked salmon pizza is so popular. Even uh -huh. our vegetable pizzas are really popular. Our Kobe slider are really popular. The macaroni and cheese. 
and the chicken pot pie, really popular. Where do you see the restaurant business going in the next uh, two or three years uh, as you see it? Well, I think the big problem is labor. You know, how are we going to attract more people into our labor force? And that's why I thought this gastro, uh, ghetto gastro people will be maybe an important part to get African-American kids interested in cooking and in uh, uh, the dining room, in the hospitality business, because we have waiters at Spargo who make $125,000, $130,000 a year. So it's not like they, are, they have a bad job. Sure, sure, if you work at McDonald's, you know, you won't make uh, good money. You get minimum wage. But if you go into the upscale uh, restaurants, you know, you make good tips in the kitchen. You can advance, become a chef, and make good money. Wolfgang, what's the last? When is the last time you ate at McDonald's? <laughs> Never. I ate that in and out. In and out. That was as far as I go. In and out. Only fantastic. That's fantastic. Wolfgang Puck is the award-winning master chef and restaurateur who has many uh, restaurants here in Las Vegas and returns to help create the menu for the Governor's Ball following the Oscars. Always a delight to talk to you. Good luck with this weekend. Thank you so much, and see you in Vegas, okay? Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks again to both of my guests, Wolfgang Puck and film reviewer Gray Drake, and thank you all for listening. I'm Jim Tofty with The Fake Show Podcast. I'll see you next time. Listen to The Fake Show anywhere on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com.